What do we got? Uh, I'm not gonna do like the long protracted introduction anymore, man. I'm Devin at Driveline. Like you, like, I shit. You guys know who I am at this point. We're gonna talk a lot about youth baseball. Uh, it's a Driveline Academy podcast. Is this more? Are we into double digit episodes? Is that where we can drop the? This, this is episode ten. So okay. We're gonna there drop we go. The, we'll drop right. the pretense of explanation and instead just accept and understand that you guys know what you're tuning in for, which is that we are gonna talk about uh, youth baseball how kind of fucked up it is and like some of the developmental stuff that we focus on uh, to like broadly improve the ecosystem. Uh, I had a guy, uh, we'll talk about the inflammatory bat speed tweet that I was sitting on for like two weeks and I decided to ship. Uh, But like I had a guy uh, who uh, follows me and he, he, you know, went through the whole thing and, and he saw that at the end I was like, Hey, here's a way that you can implement this idea. And here's some stuff you can buy to execute the idea. You can do it for free or you can get some tools. And it's like, how dare you? Uh, And like, look, man, like paid shill. Fine. I'll wear that. But like considering the fact that all of this is our jobs and I'm setting you up for this. uh, and, And like we have a staff of four people who work and do nothing but like affect to improve youth baseball locally and outside of our local area of effect. Uh, I would offer that we have more skin in the game than the average rando who just like talks nonsense on Twitter about training concepts. Cause we're actually doing it seven days a fucking week. This is what we do. And it did it in addition, my children, right? I could be a complete scumbag and sell bullshit but I certainly wouldn't do that to my own children unless I was like a completely repugnant individual. And I'm not necessarily that uh, they've got nine episodes. of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got nine episodes, yeah. man. We've been talking about this stuff for probably glowing on 15 hours. So again, uh, driveline Academy podcast, Jeremy tech teal driveline Academy coordination, uh, operations coordinator, logistics coordinator, master of just like getting shit done within our own little realm. Uh, and also with us today, Dryland Academy, high performance. Yeah, Connor Stratton, welcome to the program. Howdy, howdy. Uh, come a little bit closer to the mic, brother. I think it's super intentional, uh, super direct. This is where you say, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, actually, yeah. I've been listening since the like very first R and D podcast that was ever put out there. Yeah. And Connor's history with Dryland goes even further back oh, yeah. than that. Yep. Because uh, I am one of the first trainees of Driveline. Uh, I was 15, read a couple articles with my dad about this guy named Kyle Bodie in some baseball magazines. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's got some cool ideas with like science and baseball. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, I convinced my dad to fly us out here from New Jersey for a three-day weekend. Had a little brand new iPod. The first one it was uh, with a screen on it. And I brought it out here with me, and I have like eight hours of video collected on that from me and my dad talking to Kyle. And then from then, I was doing driveline training since I was 15, and I uh, just turned 25. So probably one of the oldest people. Decade of data. Uh, yeah. yeah. Decade yeah. of data. I, I made yeah. a shirt for you, dude. Yeah. I'll tell you, when I uh, first came back out here after college, I tweeted at Kyle and showed my original biomech report that was so so bad <laughs> and then showed the current version we do is like this is absolutely wild where everything's gone from like the very first time i was here yeah and, and to like to to further gas you up oh man um 
you were started helping out running Academy, like HP, meaning our high performance stuff, initially in year two, right? Yes. Uh, well, so Tail into year one, into yeah, year two, while you were training. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Connor was, was here training, uh, but also was like helping us with our Academy stuff. Yep. And I remember having conversations with uh, Stefan Simmons and mm -hmm. Dan Constock, who run uh, our high performance here. Uh, and I think even Dan Adams at the point, you know, we, Dan Adams, uh, Adams and I talked about it. It was just like, yeah, Stratton's just a fucking dude. <laughs> and, and, uh, and again, to kind of get back to the, the allegation that we are paid shills, right? To the, 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 the suggestion that like, we just like talk about things as a mechanism for commerce. Uh, the reason why it was an absolute no-brainer to have you uh, come on and be a part of the Driveline Academy staff as an intern and then transition that into a full-time role immediately is because of the same thing that connected with me the first time that I dropped my child into Driveline. The give-a-shit-a-tude, right? Just like the level of care is so monumentally high and apparent uh, for people that like really love this thing and like and, and want to do it you know teachers mm -hmm. like like honestly you know that there was a i am an english major right i got like my english major in college i thought what i was gonna do is i was gonna write and teach today i learned <laughs> did not know that yeah hey, I was uh, a science teacher you know 20 that i knew 20 20 years later i found my way to driveline and like all of a sudden the sum total of all my life experience between building computers and building websites and shooting rap videos and writing and teaching all culminates in doing this thing and uh so at whatever guy i don't even curious george whatever you know who you are uh, definitely watches this podcast oh for sure. the man just the thing that like the thing that made it such a no-brainer to have you be a part of like the pirate ship is just like the the level of care, love, and investment, right? And you just you can't fucking fake that. Yeah. You just you just can't, right? I have been around enough people who have run camps, and lessons, and run teams, and it's like you it jumps out at you when someone is like disaffected, right? Like I just I have no I have no stake, I have no stake. Uh, that's not what we do. Those are not the people that we attract. So, man, I'm just, I'm super happy to have you running, um, everything related to, uh, our HP stuff. Um, do we want to talk about long-term athletic development, our LTAD? Do we want to go into that right away? Yeah, man, let's bit. just do it. We'll All talk right. about the stupid bat speed thing yeah. later. Bat um, speed is fake. It's obviously, <laughs> you generate bat speed with your eyes, uh, and... Uh, and the pitcher supplies and the, pitchers, the power. And the pitcher supplies the power with the velocity, which is why bunting always gets out of the infield. A hundred percent. I mean, it's just like you see that all the time. It's like the you know the the big EV bunts, because um, that's how that works. So uh, we're just gonna clip this section. Yeah. And I'm gonna send this clip to everyone who. Wait, uh, wait, but first. Oh. Uh, you you did say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but in that you you offered some paid ways to do it, and you also. Offer some freeways. Oh yeah, to to improve bat speed. So like, you're not a good paid shill. Yeah, if you're offering yeah. free ways to do it, you aren't. Like you, you don't even you can't even wear the badge of honor that the guy gave you I know. of being a paid shill. It like because uh, you're offering free ways to do to get better at baseball. And it's like, man, I've 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 made this point before, but like you know, the luxury that I have as both a parent and someone that works here is that like when my children are here, they just train. I, my hands are off the proverbial steering wheel. And when we go to a field, we have fun 
And what is fun? Moving fast is fun. So, like, if you didn't look at the King of the Hill video, the Hidden Game video, like, just do this the next time you go out and train with your kid. Give them something with a very, very high success rate where they can be encouraged to just, like, swing their shorts off. Do that like 10 times and then make it like a little bit more difficult, whether that's velocity, approach angle or approach or descent angle or whatever, delivery mechanism, machine, live arm. Encourage them to swing their shorts off and just expand that over time. And like this is our friend of the show, Chad Longworth, the exact same point that my man Chad and I were making the other day, which is it is not like training bat speed and training smash factor, uh, which is the application of bat speed to generate exit velocity. Those don't happen on parallel paths. They can in like certain very stringent like block training, but it doesn't have to be that way. And oftentimes, what are we trying to do? The whole point is to get good at moving fast. Uh, and there is a sport-specific way that you can do that. I'm setting you up. Uh, when it comes to doing things like the, the Kill the King game, right? Uh, or just like take your kid out to the park and encourage him to hit it over the closest fence possible and then move that fence away. Remove yourself away from that fence. That's one way you can do it in a sports-specific way. The other way that you can do it is approaching what we call the development of long-term athletics, right? Like, that is a thing, LTAD. Um, the point that I have made uh, many times before, again, as usual, I'm man of, I am a man of very few original ideas. Uh, USA Baseball has their own long-term athletic development model. I think it's at usabaseballltad.com. And you can go to that thing and see the way that the very smart people in our industry smarter than me, uh, laid out a structure for like how to do this thing. And it is not putting all your eggs in a basket that is just like baseball specific shit. It is doing other stuff. It is learning how to solve other problems athletically, hence long-term athletic development on, on a platter. On a platter. What a guy. Um, so basic idea of long-term athletic development is just like taking kids babies whatever age group you want to go with babies. and just We're, we don't train babies <laughs> we don't i mean i'm training my niece don't talk don't talk about that <laughs> i i'm going home december and we're going to be learning how to do uh cartwheels baby but uh yeah how old? uh she just turned three nice perfect. yes perfect yes um yeah so taking an athlete or child whatever you want to call them um from the lowest level and bringing them up through the years just progressively making challenges that are a little bit more difficult for them uh, and trying to get them to learn new movement patterns, new ways to solve issues. Um, so that could be like if we're doing some tumbling with some with the little kids, like eight-year-olds, hey, I want you to just do a cartwheel or like do a forward roll. And then when we get to like 14, we'll be like, hey, now we're going to do that uh, forward roll, but we want you to like jump over a box while you do it. Just make it a little bit more difficult, um, make it a little bit more interesting. And then as we go through the years, we're really just trying to train, like, how to be an athlete and how to have healthy, like, relationship with exercise. And the, the, thing, that, uh, the thing that always cracks me up about this is that, like, uh, in baseball, in our industry, right, we uh, are just huge on mechanics, right, globally. It's just, like, mechanics, 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 picture in my ABCA slide of an actual mechanic, Um and we obsess over these things in isolation. But a lot of times, and, and shout out to my brother Chase Glom, uh, a blog on uh, Driveline from a couple years ago about like understanding uh, hitting mechanics in terms of just like swing deficiencies that are more systemic, right? Like consider the individual athlete and they are a system 
of things that they're good at and things that they're bad at, right? So we things we see things like a bad lead leg block. Well, there is a mechanism to work on that in the sports-specific side. There's also a mechanism to solve that problem in terms of athletic development and athletic capacity mm -hmm. because they're all related, right? Like, uh, you just you can't put, like, really, really wide tires on a car that has a shit engine and go like, oh, well, now we have the capacity to handle, right? We have the capacity to handle. Well, like your capacity is going to be de uh, defined by the fact that you make like 60 horsepower. Those tires are suited for a 600 horsepower car. Like, what are you doing? So when we overfit this need for like mechanical, uh, mechanical perfection, right? Because that's the thing that we want. We put kids on a tee and we groove just like this, this swing that like supposedly maps to like this near infinitely variable uh, perceptual and movement task. Uh, and we never go like, oh, well, what's the system that you actually bring to the task? And the system that you bring to the task is your body, yep. your ability to produce force and accept force, change directions. Like, and, and this is the thing that like that I, you know, Year-long baseball training gets a knock all the time. And I understand that from a lens of what that typically constitutes, which is just an absolute overabundance of baseball-specific stuff. That's not long-term athletic development, right? That's not long-term athletic development. And again, I think like a lot of things in youth baseball, this all kind of comes back to like the core value proposition, right? If I'm trying to solve for winning... um. And I don't infer that like having a kid be able to mm, change directions well, right, is going to map one to one to increase performance that I just punt. I, I just punt on those things. I completely neglect it, right? And because it doesn't solve a problem for me right now, it doesn't give me leverage right now. It's going to give you negative leverage when you hit a 90 foot field and you can't hit the ball out of the fucking infield. It's mm -hmm. going to give you 90 negative leverage when you can't cover enough ground to just be a competent defender anywhere other than a corner. And and probably only first, right? Like we see those kids who just like pigeonholed as a first baseman, big body, they don't move well. When and even so we did Olympics last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Ton of fun. W wait for that video that's oh, yeah. coming out on socials. Uh we mic'd up some kids. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um but if you want to know why we spend time at every single practice working on that, uh, we have an athlete. I'm not going to actually say his name, but also, I'll call him Benny Barrels because uh, yep, that sure. is what he is affectionately known as around the facility. Benny Otani. Um, not a corner guy, yep. right? Like yep. he, he is smaller. He's a little bit behind the the, the, the aging curve. Um, so he's not a guy who you throw it first or third or, or whatever, but he's not the best athlete that we have. Uh, last night, he jumped the hurdle that like he wasn't even remotely close to in the beginning of the year. Yeah. And he he made it to the third round, second. Third. I think he got third round. he jumped two yeah. hurdles and made yeah. it to the third round. And like everyone was going nuts for him. He was going nuts. And you you're just able to see like why we spend 40 minutes a night yeah. or more. I'm um, at that like working on that specifically at practice. It might not you might not see it like week over week, but then at the end of the year uh, I mean, I noticed it a couple weeks ago when we were doing sled pushes, oh, yeah. and he could not push a sled with no weight at the beginning of the year. Yep. He was pushing a sled with weight on it uh, two weeks ago, and yeah. like, yeah, he was not going as fast as, as some of his teammates were, but he did it. He still yep. did it. He clearly got better, and like, it's one-to-one -one showing up in the cage, yeah. and, and it's going to show up on the field. 
because he just got way better as an athlete in the last year. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's not just the kids that are the first third. It's, sure. it's all of them. Like yeah. every one of these you it's really hard. I mean, the, the wheel analogy is a really good one. Like you have to have a nice car. The wheels don't matter. Like you have to be a good athlete. The mechanics matter a lot less if you are a good athlete. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and we've gone out of the dark ages where it was just like broadly there was an uh, there was an era where like baseball wasn't inferred to be a horsepower driven sport, right? And even if, and the funny thing is, is that like of course, what do the biological outliers have? What is their advantage? Biology, bigger, faster, stronger, right? Like. Uh, so we went through that era where like the Fred McGriffs of the world be like, well, I, you know, you can't do uh, strength training, but uh, I'll just like carry around cases of uh, liquor uh, and drinks at F- uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Well, that's a farmer carry, Fred. But anyways, uh, they crimed out. <laughs> right. Uh, we've kind of gotten out of that age of like... Uh, thinking that that was bad right and having like a lot of like players in the 80s that weren't outliers look like your mailman or your plumber like that that archetype of baseball players largely gone away you know like Bartolo Colon unfortunately does not have a job in the bigs anymore but like you had the thing uh the last like two in the last couple weeks the Alejandro Kirk video of him running the bases and like some guy posted on Twitter I don't remember who it was posted on Twitter that like this is an embarrassment yeah and uh Alec Manoa, shout out Alec Manoa, uh, went and just ravaged this guy. Yeah. I think he like deleted his social media, like just like the guy got torched by Alec Manoa. You love to see it. And like, yeah, okay, uh, he's a little portly. He's a little he's a little on the hefty side, uh, as is as is Dan Vogelbach, who earlier this summer there were videos of him running the bases yep. going around. Uh, these guys are athletes. Like yeah. they like they move well for how big they are. Yeah. Like they people think it's a joke that like oh he's big and he's moving. Well, he's moving. Yep. He is like moving very well for someone of his size. Yeah. He's not a professional baseball player if he doesn't move that well. Yep. There are a lot of people that are that size that don't move like that and thus are not professional athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So so like specific to the LTAT stuff that we do uh with our kids in the academy from so let's just talk like the this type of stuff, like the Olympics event. Yeah. So when we're talking about running the Olympics in, in an academy training session, what are we doing? Uh, so we're trying to do a couple different events. We want to see uh, speed and agility. We want to do a jumping event, and then we want to do some strength events. Uh, you could pick any kind of games that you played growing up in gym class and do them. Uh, but last night we did 10-yard sprint, 20-yard sprint, a med ball shot put toss, a med ball overhead toss, and then a high jump and triple jump. Uh, I try to pick a couple of events that we've never done before. Yeah. So we've never done a triple jump before. It's pretty technical movement, but I just wanted to see them do a new thing and try and figure it out. Uh, a lot of stuff we do is train them how to uh, learn self-organization mm-hmm. and just figure out new movement patterns and just send it. Um, and one of the cooler parts of that was the lead up to the triple jump oh, yeah. where they're all trying it yeah. and, and trying to figure out like how it works. And like, they all look very goofy stepping oh, yeah. too many times, yeah. jumping too late, jumping too early, like running and jumping, like whatever they might be. That's not a triple jump. Yeah. And then in like three minutes, they had it, they had it. They yeah. all had figured it out. Very, after, fr- yeah. very first one. It was just straight up broad jump. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they ran and then they stopped their feet and then they did a broad jump. Yep. Uh, after like, two times, three times of trying it, they were actually looking like pretty good. Mm-hmm. Not like obviously not an Olympic or track level like uh, event, but 
it was decent. Like mm-hmm. it, you could tell it was a triple jump. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool seeing how fast they can figure it out. And and like you know again, so if the uh, if the knock on year round baseball training is uh, is I, I guess repetitive stimulus, right? Repetitive movement stimulus. Yeah. Or all we do is we hit and we throw, we hit and we throw, we hit and we throw. What you just described is the exact opposite of that, which is like movement exploration. Yeah. Right. It's just like we're going to come up with a task, we're going to come up with a constraint, play. Yep. Play. And like, well, what is what is successfully doing that mean? It means rhythm timing sequence can you think of any movements in our sport that also revolve around these exact same things <laughs> yeah oh i don't know all of them and and i and i understand i i really understand kind of like the the parent coach's dilemma of just like we're teaching baseball so i have to teach them baseball skills i get that but all those games you described are like yeah we uh we execute them in our forty-three thousand square foot gym you can do that stuff on a dirt field. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't one of those games you couldn't do on a dirt field. I guess you just need like a pool noodle for the high jump. Yeah. But that's you it. Use, you could even use a bat. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Or a stick. Yeah. Yeah. You could pick a stick up off the ground and hold it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like in, in one of the things that we put, you know, in the youth baseball dev cert, you know, years ago, it's just like this idea that like you can dose 20 minutes of this type of stuff at the end of your practice. Uh, and the important thing, it's competition. Yep. Right. Uh, oh yes. Everything. It was competitive last night. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like we are affording you a freedom of movement exploration. We are bundling that in competition to keep the intention level high. Because if we put it in a competition space, nobody's going to take. You know, they're not going to turn take, it down. They're yeah. not going to turn the volume down. Yeah. Right. Because they want to win, and that's kids. So it's like you can leverage their like their biological base state, which is that like I need to win and I hate to lose. And just put them in an environment that affords them the ability to learn movements. Yep. Right? Be, be, and, and again, there's going to be carryover and benefit to your sport-specific stuff by doing this stuff if you do it consistently. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you, and you could see the benefit. Like, just, it was, it was very, it was really cool to, like, sit there and watch it last night and, like, see how far these kids have come athletically in a year. Specifically Benny Barrels, who, like, doesn't look different. Yeah. Like he, he hasn't grown from the last year. Nope. It's, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. But just the athletic ability, the athletic difference of him and how excited he was to jump that hurdle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When like I watched him in September, try to jump the hurdle and fail and be like very upset yeah. and like embarrassed because all of his teammates could do it and he couldn't. And then now he's doing it. And maybe there's another kid who uh, just jumped right into the, the pole and, and failed the high jump on the first attempt i have an idea you it's the right idea it's the right idea it's the right idea and i love that kid just as um same. he he did well at the the shot put the med yeah. ball stuff oh, that, yeah. that's yeah, that's yeah. his game um yeah. but and, and that's part of it too right like kids are gonna be good at different things yeah and that's not bad yeah it's it's true in the game it's it's true it's in the game be, yeah. right yeah it's gonna be true on the like, program too 100 yeah. percent um so the other thing that I think we can just kind of talk about is like uh, the lead up to this this particular competition that we executed the last couple of training sessions um, was we've had them do a lot of kind of uh, under a barbell specific stuff. Correct. And then we've also had them do some kind of open stuff with uh, jumping and moving mm-hmm. sleds like a lot of uh, I feel yeah. like we've done a lot of sled work, which is yeah. good because sled work is good. Yeah. Uh, and then like. You know, and then and then this is kind of like to me in my mind is like the kind of the 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 whipped cream and the cherry on top, mm-hmm. right? Is it like you do all this stuff that is beef and potatoes, right? Right. But then you get to see 
you're exactly right, man. You get to see how much that stuff affects this other thing, mm-hmm. right? Which is which is different than I guess you know the kind of the core construction, which is like we just hammer baseball specific, baseball specific, baseball specific, and I want to see a baseball specific carryover. This is the other thing, which is we're going to hammer your meat and potatoes of learning how to squat, bench, deadlift, uh, single leg, uh, single leg squats, the re- the reverse rows, yeah, uh, like all this stuff, pull ups, like. You do all this stuff, and then weirdly, <laughs> when you do that stuff in isolation, and you put them in a in a in an unrestricted environment, a little bit more open environment. Oh, athletic performance just went way up. Oh, that's super oh, yeah. weird. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, like we have kids that are getting better at sprinting when we kind of retest sprint interval at what I don't know every four to six weeks when we're not doing we're not sprinting in every practice. Yep. Yep. The whole informs the parts, right? The parts inform the whole. It's all it's all systemic. Yep. We've done very little amount of plyometrics in the last like six weeks. Normal amount, but very low amount of like box jumps, all that stuff. Yep. Went into that high jump. They haven't jumped in weeks and they were clearing everything that we put in front of them. It's Lucas, awesome. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just got bunnies. Oh my. Like, Lucas. Wh- oh yeah. my. He jumps and you're like, oh, he actually kind of yeah. looks like he floats a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he's got he's got some good jumps. And that kid has added what six seven miles an hour of exit yep. velocity literally in the last two months it seems like yeah when and that's a kid that like broke his arm at the beginning yep. of last year Can't and it practice. was it was like a bad break he missed like three months yeah uh and like lost a lot of development time that's the off season that he missed and like had to sit there like you said came to every practice sat there and watched what his teammates gamer. get better yeah. yeah and like just had to sit there with a the broken arm and lost a lot of that development time so like the season started and he was behind a lot, uh, like where a lot of these, and he is just like full on sprinting to catch up to these kids, yeah. and like he's going to get there. Like yeah, he, yeah, it's it, it's very clear. Like like you said, we we haven't done a ton of this stuff in in the last six yeah. weeks or in the last two months, and like they're still the getting better. better. Yeah, and like they know it. Like multiple of them told me like. It's weird. Like I'm PRing all over the place now. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you're way stronger than yeah. you were two months ago because you've been coming to all the off-season practices and you've been lifting and like they're just bigger than they were two months ago. The kids that are like consistently coming, and yeah, you're going to PR because it has like as much to do with your strength as it does your bat speed. Yep. And like we worked on your bat speed a lot. We haven't had a blast sensor on them in the last two months. Yeah. Yep. Like I don't know how much bat speed improvements we've gained in the last two months. It's gonna be gas to see though when we test it. But we've, oh, yeah. we've done an assessment for strength, yep. and they all gained. Yeah. So, like, yeah. we know they're gaining there, and then we see the PRs. Yeah. And, it, yes, we're going to do the bat speed assessment, and they're all going to have gone up in yeah. bat speed. Oh, yeah. But that's almost less of our emphasis in the cages on bat speed because we haven't done that a ton in the last two months. It's been yeah. a little bit yeah. more drill work. Yeah. And it's way more the, like, you just got stronger. So, like, yeah, yeah you're swinging the bat faster because you are stronger and you're moving better as an athlete than you were two months ago because that's what – we we like really focused on these last two months yeah with the, the hour of strength with like a full the, hour of strength yeah. these kids has been three days eye-opening a week. three yeah. days a week because we normally you know with practice we, it's it, we maybe get the full hour a lot of times we're, we're running a little late oh, yeah, and it ends yeah. up with like 40 minutes yeah. but to really see what that what can happen when they get like a full hour three times a week for for two months is like the, damn the the buy-in yes has dramatically yeah. improved as well once yeah. we shift into consistently being in the weight room and like doing the training and then we had the one retest and they're like holy shit i'm way fucking better than i was six weeks ago yeah, yeah. 
this is really cool. Yeah, I yeah. am actually going to start caring now. It's like, you guys didn't even care before, and you got so, <laughs> a, a ton better. Yeah. Think about how much better you're going to be if you actually if, give if you a actually, little bit yeah. of effort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, like, to, to really, I think, to hammer home the point of how this stuff is just, like, so uh, holistically beneficial, uh, we can talk about, like, the test-retest, right? Yep. The the jump tests. Uh, the jump tests alone, right? Even not doing the the IMTP, the mm-hmm. isometric mid-thigh pull, yep. or the seal rows or whatever, Uh here, just like, <laughs> so what do we assess? Yep. What do we know? Uh, do we want to talk about like how we assess different age groups? Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. So high form assessment uh, consists with all the younger kids. Um, 10 to 12 you is going to be just a counter movement jump. Uh, basically, that is just you stand there, hands on your hips. When I say jump, you jump as high as you can. Simple, pretty easy. Uh, as we get older, we make it a little bit more difficult. So when you get to 13 to 15, uh, we add in a squat jump. For that, same setup, hands on your hips. I'll say squat, you hold it for a second or two. Then I say up, you try and jump up. Um, that one's different than the CMJ, the counter move jump, because uh, you're seeing your power that you can produce from a static position versus yeah. like a uh, dynamic. momentum dynamic yeah. kind of position. Uh, and then the last jumping test we do with uh, the 13 and older kids are the, is the uh, repetitive pop test, the RSI. Uh, that we're looking for reactive strength index. Uh, basically how well can you jump after you land and you're accepting the force from the jump, how fast can you get back up? So we're seeing different levels of lower body power and strength. And we're trying to see how well these kids can move and like jump and produce force. And, and we're testing all of this using force blades. Correct. We're using uh, force decks every six weeks with all the age groups from 10 to 18 U. It's pretty uh, exciting to see. Uh, I'm looking at the... First time, uh, one year's worth of da- data from this uh, this past summer. And I'm looking at kids who tested last October versus where they are now. One kid that really stands out to me, um, he's put on 20 pounds in a year, which is really cool. He's also grown like three and a half inches. But his net force that he's producing is a thousand newtons higher than it was before, which is amazing. Uh, we've also seen that his CMJ has gone from like, 22 centimeters to 38 yeah he so, went from like fifth percentile I mean, you, you yeah he was I, a fifth percentile athlete to and like now to, he's a 38 percentile athlete in nine months yeah it's pretty pretty wild how much better you can get if you just like learn how to produce more force it's uh like it's almost like it is straight connection it's wild. wow that's super weird <laughs> it's almost uh, like wild. producing force helps you yeah. produce force yeah it's yeah. like you know you look at aaron judge and you see this monster of a man you're like oh yeah it makes sense that he hits like 62 home runs in a year yeah uh, he or 61 sorry he, he will hit 62 come on i mean there's yeah it's like i think i've talked to simmons a little bit about this about some of our uh, pro clientele who go mm-hmm. through the exact same assessment protocol yep, right they, it's a little bit a little bit expanded in terms of the non-jumping stuff that they yeah. do but like they do that same stuff. And I remember he was telling me about one of our pro guys who's very good at sports. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just like, I think I'm going to broad jump. It's like, what's the world record on the broad jump? It's like Simmons pulled it up. Oh, it's such and such. And I think the guy uh, hit it with like no warm up. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, just the reality is, is like, again, uh, the whole point of what we do in terms of assessments is understand what is good right and and build out and track against that and that same system 
which we've talked about on here uh, multiple times, is effective about coming up with training goals and priorities and understanding capacity of elite, professional, most consequence environment in the world, guys. It also allows us to take younger athletes and beat kind of the expected biological game, which is just the... That's the play. It's it's our play, right? It's just we've 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 drawn a line in the sand and said that this stuff is important. We are going to continue to put time and energy and effort into it because it informs everything else that we do. The bet is that the further we turn that flywheel, the more that we could advance outside of what we would just expect biologically. And now we're just now we are agents of change, right? Because Benny Barrels right, is going to now have athletic capacity he can deploy at a sports-specific capacity he otherwise would not have access to. He's doing track right now. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's actually running pretty well, too. And, like, that's not, a, that's not a thing that would have happened a year ago. Man, I, oh, have, no, sure. I have video of that kid from, yeah. for, from year yeah. one when we started. And, yeah. like, nothing would go, like, oh, yeah, 24 months from now, track athlete. Track. That <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm not... And, and again, you have to acknowledge, again, just like the biological stuff that can happen, right? Which which we have aging curves for, right? We have aging curves for untrained players from 9 to 18. And we understand, if you understand that stuff, we talked about doing like a whole episode on this, and mm -hmm. we probably still should. Uh, but if you understand kind of normative performance. Yeah, yeah, well, Besky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe Besky. maybe not here. I mean, you need my guy Besky. Love that uh, when you understand the normative performance year by year, you understand the gap. And the whole thing is you just beat that, right? Because, uh, you know, the, again, the biological outliers win because of biology. Well, how do you change that? Well, you change it by just essentially going, all right, human beings are inherently adaptable to stimulus. So let's get them stimulus that's going to get them change outside of that biological line, which is a thing that we are doing right now. With kids, nine to eighteen, yeah. Uh, and I'm just man, I I uh, I am very very excited to just like continue to like turn that flywheel specifically. You know, like I, I think we just know that everything we do on the skill specific side works. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that anybody else is doing like longitudinal LTAD training with a group of kids that are consistently executing like a test retest oh, profile yeah. every every six weeks. I am so excited to see that data five six years from now. For us to be able to be like, yeah, this kid was 12 and now he's 17 and he went from being the worst athlete you could possibly imagine to now being able to do anything you give him, anything you throw at him, he can figure it out and do it. Yep. That's so exciting. And I, I think that's like the underrated part of athleticism is the adaptability. Like oh, a lot yes, of people, yeah, a lot of yes. people just like, oh, yeah. like you're a good athlete, like you're fast uh, or like you're strong or like whatever. It, and it's like really good athletes are adaptable to multiple different movement patterns. Uh, and it's less so about like being really good at one thing and just like being good at like everyone grew up with someone that they were just like, how are you so good at everything you try? Right. And like, that's yep. an athlete right. is someone who yep. like, no matter what you throw at them, they're going to figure it out. And like, that's what we're trying to do in baseball, right? Like right. that we're, we're trying to build adaptable machines. Uh, and, and that's exactly what we're doing in the, in the, our high performance. Yeah. Lab. Yeah. And, and like, in the, and again, this is the thing about like year long baseball, right? 12, 12 months baseball. The, the big knock is, is it like, well, you have to play other sports because you have to learn how to solve yeah. other problems. And then you look at Aaron Judge. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Judge was like a monster athlete when he was young at everything, right? Uh, LeBron James, 
could have played professional football. Of, of course he could. Yeah. yeah. Of course they could. Uh, yeah. These are biological outliers. They got a golden ticket you did not have access to. Correct. Yeah. So do you want to change that? Do you want to change your disposition? Well, you need to do something different, right? And what you need to do is have an environment that gives you this different type of stimulus that, again, it affects your global global composition, which reflects into what you deploy sports specifically, right? And, you know, American Society of Pediatricians says that it is safe and effective for kids ages eight and up to do resistance training. Yep. So all that other horse shit that you've been told about, like, well, uh, we can't lift weights until the growth plates fit. Okay, show me your growth plate tracking device. Is that a thing I can buy on Amazon? Probably. You can buy anything <laughs> on Amazon. I mean, maybe. Maybe we should sell one. Uh, well, I'm just going to wait for the velocity to come. Yeah. What the fuck are you waiting for? Yeah. You are waiting for irrelevance. That is the thing that you are waiting for. Yeah. You are waiting for irrelevance. You are going to have a door closed on you in this game because you just fucking punted. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait for it. Like and, and again, the, the thing that we're pushing towards this stuff is not is not only it is safe, yeah. it is healthy, it engages in them ability in, in the athlete's ability to explore movement. We can frame it in competition and lean into that side of things as well when it comes to individual development, team bonding, tr like man, you're you're doing all of that stuff with a lens towards something that affects you. Even if you don't go play professional baseball, mm -hmm. if you don't go play college baseball, you have a positive and beneficial relationship yep. with exercise and movement. Yep. Uh, relative to kind of like the composition of our country, I think that's a good thing. And then you just understand that there's sports specific benefit to it too. Like yeah. we wouldn't we wouldn't do it if it didn't help. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I the the waiting for it is like a really good point because that's what most people are like told to do is like when you grow like you'll be stronger. And yeah. Like, well, there's nothing stopping you. And this is like goes back to the Benny Barrels. He has not grown. I think oh, we yeah. can look at his his height. He's I, one centimeter. One centimeter. One, one centimeter, centimeter in a in a year. And like yet he is doing a ton. Moving the sled with actual weight as yep. opposed to nine months ago when he couldn't even move the sled without weight. Yep. And he's jumping hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. That yes. are basically his height. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Like quantifiable, quantifiable yeah. improvement. This isn't just smoke. It's not bullshit. Right. And that's the argument against waiting is yep. why would you wait? Yep. Yeah. Why, why? Why? Like, what are you waiting for? And like, you are giving up valuable time yeah. that like you could, like, when he grows, kid's going to be a stud. Yeah. Because he's already going to have that athletic foundation, that base. Yep. And now he's going to actually be bigger and stronger. And it's just going to skyrocket all, for him. All going to click. Yeah. All just going to fall yeah. in place. And the best part is he knows that. Yeah. He is like acutely aware of like, I'm just going to keep working hard. And like, it's gonna I come. know it's going to come. Yep. Like I, I know and, and this year, come on, come on, Benny, this year. Yep. And you know, and in the opposite of that is you're just like, you're waiting for someone to close the door on you in this sport because you under indexed for how important it was to, to do this type of stuff. It's like, there's this video floating around uh, on Instagram uh, this week of uh, Drew Jones, Andrew Jones, mm -hmm, son, mm -hmm. right? He was a number two overall or three. Three. And, anyways, he was up there. real good at sports. Um, and the clip is, he's like, Oh, you know, don't pay attention to like these, these player rankings. Right. And they, they actually went back and looked and it was uh, Matt holiday's kid and Drew Jones. They were looking at like what they were ranked at 14. Um, and, and I love, I love that message. It's a thousand percent accurate. However, uh, when there are kids who 
probably got a little bit of a genetic lottery ticket. And also we're afforded the experience of being raised in an environment where someone is going to tell you the shit that matters and train you in that kind of paradigm, right? It's easy for you to say, don't pay attention to the ranking. The, the thing that I would, the thing that I would just kind of point towards is, is like, if you're not ranked in the top, whatever, whatever. And again, these rankings are horseshit. I'm, I'm not saying that they aren't. What I am saying is if you want to increase that leverage, you can't just kind of like hammer the sports specific side of things. You have to hammer, you have to understand the holistic, right? You have to understand everything. You have to understand your system. And again, if you are bad at force production in a non-sport specific sense, well, guess what, man? It's just, it's not just going to like magically show up because you want it. Hope is not an effective training strategy. Uh, so yeah, LTAD, it's important. Like, and again, all this stuff that you can do, uh, do in your backyard, right? Like we have a, a high performance strength certification that's out. And- yeah, we have a right. foundations of strength training. Yep. Right, foundations of strength. We'll yep. we'll really get into some of the meat and potatoes stuff that kind of like we yeah. talked about. Right. Uh, I think we are working on a LTAD version of that, and Correct. that's something that yep. we'll be able to put out to people. Yep. Uh, the youth baseball dev cert right now has just like some very basic strength stuff you can execute on a dirt field. Yep. Uh, the skills at scale book has stuff that you can execute on a dirt field. This stuff is entirely accessible. Uh, the only thing that you can't do, I guess, just as a as a as a parent coach uh is force plates yeah that's, but you yeah. also could just like put a piece of tape yep. on a tree and see it. how high you can see how high you're yep. jumping see how how far you can jump a broad jump yeah i mean there, there's just there's ways to execute this stuff that aren't predicated on having a ton of technology um and it's just it's really really good so do it uh and part of the reason that it's good is because it affects things like bat speed yes uh so uh i was reading this uh joe abercrombie um has a series of books i think the first one is called the first law it's very like a little game of thrones ish it's a little bit like tighter though uh smaller world smaller number of characters it's a really really good book and it's all about bat speed uh no it's not about <laughs> bat speed um I, w- I wish i wish although look a fantasy a fantasy series revolving around bat speed i i was gonna go down Ooh. to a deep rabbit hole uh trying to talk about like logan nine fingers who's one of the characters in the book being effective as a killer because of like rotational acceleration but because he only had nine fingers yeah yeah any anyways i assume based on more, more aerodynamic yeah, yeah. oh there you yeah, go yeah. hey that helps too <laughs> got to reduce drag depends on um if it's pinky yeah yeah it's a middle finger. Uh, so, so the book, uh, the book has this great quote, and it was like, uh, "The rest is wasted breath." And I'm reading this, I'm like, "That's a that's a killer line." And I was like, "There's a there's a baseball specific application of this bat speed. The rest is wasted breath." So having said that, I'm going to waste a bunch of breath. Uh, <laughs> It's not wasted. It, you know, uh, Caleb Abney, uh, another friend of the show, a uh, friend of our boy Chad. It's just like we are like the, I feel like we're in like the circle of, of bat speed truthers. Uh, had, a, had a really great response to kind of what I put out there, which is just like it's it blows my mind or, you know, the amount of mental gymnastics that we try to execute to just like ignore the truth. Like, and that's just the thing, right? This is, we are outside of the dark ages where we're not able to quantify this stuff. We are outside of an area where we don't understand that there's just like literal proof. Uh, Shout out to Dr. Alan Nathan, right? Uh, You can argue with physics for as long as you want. You will run out of breath before you are right. One mile an hour of bat speed equals 1.2 miles an hour of exit velocity, assuming for the same degree of collision efficiency. 
<clears throat> one mile an hour of thrown ball velocity is a contributor to 0.2 miles an hour of exit velocity. One of these things is more than the other. And, and what is the thing that you can control as a hitter, right? You can control output. And if output is good, hitting the ball hard is good, and we've seen that borne out in like ex-WOBA at the highest level of consequence. It probably plays at the collegiate and the high school level just the same way. Like why why are we why are we why are we going to all this effort and burning all these fucking calories to just like ignore facts? So here's my question. I don't I didn't I saw the tweet. Uh I did not look at the comments. Uh, I got LASIK a while ago, and I try to treat my eyes better than to look at shit like that. Yeah, that's fair. So I, di I didn't look at the comments or anything. What are are people arguing that like you shouldn't train bat speed? That you should spend more time, like more of your training economy on uh, like contact quality as opposed to bat speed? Or are people just like arguing that like it you shouldn't want to swing the bat fast? So. Uh, it's it's pretty great because there's been a, a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of contributing thought to the discussion. Right? Thought is that is that the uh, sure? Okay. I'll, I'll right. be generous, okay. right. right? That's 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 uh, fair. Yeah. More than fair. I didn't say it was positive. I just said it was a that, contribution. Yeah. Um, so it kind of breaks down into a couple different camps. Uh, one that's really interesting is it like well. Uh, bat speed is good, but like the the timing of speed is what's important. And like, okay, man, okay, I, I understand what you're getting at, right? But I don't see a lot of athletes who like literally hit peak bat speed uh, during their follow through. That That's just not, not a thing, right? Uh, what we generally see, if I remember correctly, when you look at like the sequential process of hitting, which again is a thing that we fucking know and understand because we've taken the time to have like the best hitters in the world go through hitting motion capture is that there's acceleration and deceleration going on at different sequences of the body. But all of it is designed to effectively get the bat up to speed as soon as possible and then maintain as much of that speed as possible through the hitting zone. Nobody is suggesting that you should reach peak bat speed when it's touching your shoulder. First of all, that's just like not a thing that happens. And second of all, the idea that by training bat speed that that would be the end result of it is just like, man, that's just not how this shit works. So like, so there's, there's that, that area of the room and, and it's funny because I think largely that stuff is coming from people that advocate for like these nonsense ideas, like launch quickness. Like I, you know who I'm talking about, uh, launch quickness. You have to have launch quickness. Like, okay. So let's just like create this mystery word with this very nebulous definition and then say the like, well, that's because I can't quantify it. Right. That's. That's the that's the, the 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 trump card that I give myself, right? I create this fucking weirdo imaginary nonsense term that is unquantified by anyone other than my eyes, right? My eyes my eye soda is firing very at a very high level, my eye tracks, my grit tracks. Uh and I go, well, launch quickness is really important. And I'm suggesting that like sure it is important to be quick with speed. I, I like I get I, I understand what you're saying, right? I drive a Tesla. A Tesla doesn't go very fast. It accelerates very quickly, yeah. right? I understand that different than my Mustang, right? My Mustang will be a little faster. Uh, it's not as fast zero to 60 because it doesn't have computerized four-wheel, all-wheel drive. It just has 315s in the rear and my right foot, and that's all I have. I understand what we're getting at with this launch quickness horse shit, but, like, come on. 
no one no one is suggesting that like the way that bat speed development works is it like you're training kids to get up to speed late I just I, I don't know that I've seen that as a thing and 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 to suggest that that's like a negative potential outcome of bat speed training it's just like is nonsense to me so there's so there's that side of the room um then there is the other side that, that Jeremy that you got towards which is it like well adjustability right otherwise known as like what we would call I guess smash factor and swing decisions some combination of the two um, what I think a lot of guys in the world kind of uh, move towards this idea that like, well, I don't want to see kids swinging out of their shoes and missing. And like, how dare they swing? <clears throat> how dare they? And like, <laughs> man, at the end of the day, right? 2080 scale. We understand this in pro ball, right? If you have uh, 80 grade swing decisions and 80 grade bat to ball speed and you have 20 grade bat speed, you're fucked. Here's a, a great example to that. I uh, I saw another Twitter thread from a driveline employee. Yes, Boy, that is most most of most of most of who I follow on Twitter. Uh, if I'm being honest, is just my friends and and, yeah. and, and coworkers. Uh, but Tanner Stokey yeah. uh, tweeted last night, two days ago, about think, Mookie two Betts. Days, two days ago, uh, about yeah, Mookie yeah, Betts. Yeah, uh, I happen to adore Mookie Betts uh, very much. Hard same. Yes, if you're a listener, we love you, Mookie. Um, his bat speed, I think 54, I think that's what, that's, uh, it was 54 on the 20 to 80 scale. Yeah. Not elite, not what you'd call elite. Um, but his swing decisions and smash factor are both in the sevens. Yep. So like, yeah, he's really good at that. But the point of the thread was, okay, well, what if we increased his bat speed? Like, it's a thing we know we can do. We did it with Nolan Arenado last year. Like we did it in spades with Lars Newbar, like we know we can increase about two miles an hour bat speed because that is the average of what our pro athletes did in the offseason mm-hmm. last year was two miles an hour bat speed. And they applied Kyle Bode's like calculator of like, what if we added two miles an hour bat speed to every batted ball that you had, like what would your numbers look like? And it's out of this world for someone like Mookie Betts, who is already very good. Already 1% of the 1%. Yeah. And like, if you are not Mookie Betts and you're a high schooler who is saying like, well, I am going to swing, I'm going to make the best swing decisions possible. And I am going to just find the barrel on every swing. You're not Mookie Betts. So no, you're not going to do that. And if you don't have bat speed, you are just not going to hit the ball at all. Like you're you're not gonna get the ball in the infield if you're not focusing on bat speed. You might be able to like make contact, but that contact's not gonna go very far. And like you have to have perfect swing decisions if you even want to make that a reality without bat speed. But but Jeremy, you could just hit it where the defense isn't. Uh, or <laughs> I, I fucking, you could I fucking, bunt. <laughs> I fucking hey, love that baby, idea. Let's go. I love that idea because it's predicated on the hitter just having like a perfect conception every single time of where the defense is because that is part of it, right? Where the pitch is and where it's going to be and how the pitcher is trying to attack you, right? And you're able to kind of meld all this information into a signal, singular decision that you can execute like 10 out of 10 consistently all the time. All the fucking time. I'm just going to hit it where they aren't. The patron saint of that probably is Nick Madrigal. And right. I love Nick Magical. I I'm, I have always been a big Nick Magical fan. Uh, the my favorite is the box score that his fellow teammate Max Engelbrecht will show me. That has he like broke his wrist and played in the Super Regionals and yeah, went yeah. like five for five with five bunt singles. Yeah, they knew he couldn't swing and they yep. knew he was bunting and he still did it anyways. Uh, not 
yet successful as a big leaguer. Correct. With at being like the patron saint of like, I'm going to hit it where they ain't. I am like perpetually a 350 hitter, like 300 Ooh. to 350 in that range, like his entire career. And then he gets to the big leagues and like, I don't know if you knew this, but like they throw really hard and they got a lot of pitches that move a lot. It's and so like, weird. it is not as easy to just hit it where they ain't every at bat if they are also really good. Uh, and like, if you want to play at that level, like you have to have bat speed. Like that's not even an argument. And it's not something you develop like later. Right. Which, uh, which kind of pushes towards what we're working towards in terms of the same LTAT stuff, yeah. right? Which is it like, we understand normative, uh, age specific age influence, biological development of bat speed because we've taken the time to measure it because we can do that. You go, all right, well, if the expected gain is like three and a half miles an hour bat speed, which is going to translate to, uh, you know, three-ish miles an hour of exit velocity, what if you double that? What, what if you double that? And maybe doubling it in the first year is going to be an easy thing because it's new stimulus, like it's beginner gains. What if you continue to do that over and over and over? This is everything that we continue to advocate for. It's just like, look, the key to understanding skill development is understanding compound interest. That's it. You just understand compound interest and how you can, again, be an agent of change in an athlete's life if you just compound the effects of this type of training over time. That's it. Uh, Mookie Betts has the ability to come in in an offseason. Mookie, please come join us. Um, bring Cody Bellinger with you. Here we go. Um, Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. Probably not bad speed, the issue there. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Right. Smash factor and swing yeah. decisions. Yeah. Which again, we train that too. Which is a which is the thing. Drivelinebaseball.com. <laughs> you, yeah. Hey, man, I mean, if you're going to call me a paid shill, I'm going to. Yeah, we're we're going to show. Better, right. Better plug it. Um, Mookie Betts and uh, Cody Bellinger, Nolan Arenado, Lars Newtbar, other other pro guys, Maverick Hanley, Jairus Richards, uh, Jesse Franklin. Robbie Tanerowitz, my brother, the bird, all these guys can apply these kind of ideas and have like immediate effect, immediate positive effect and positive leverage on their careers. Um, because they're already like 1% of the 1% athletically. Uh, what I am positing is you can apply this same system over a more longitudinal period of time with younger athletes who are inherently more adaptable to stimulus and, and, and again, change how they, how they present athletically. And, and again, you do both, right? Yep. You do the holistically beneficial stuff and you do the sports specific stuff and you just have to have a bunch of decisions downstream that all revolve around that, right? Because you need time. Because that's, that's the thing is that if what you just index for is the stuff that is most palatable and easy for you to understand in youth sport, which is winning, because I love my children and I don't want to see them lose, which is a, which is a fine, understandable a disposition to have. I I get it. I, I get it. But if you simply equip yourself with the ability to provide context, then we can have a little bit more variance in our outcomes in a period of time where it doesn't fucking matter and push towards a longer term goal, right? Which is like, hey, let's be as competitive as possible as a high school baseball player. And, and some of those kids uh, in this group that we've kind of been talking about I, I'm so excited to see what they look like in 10 months or 13 months, 14 months, because they're going to be going into their high school baseball tryouts 
And we very easily could go like, this is how you presented when you were 12 and you first started here. Here's normative effective gains that we would kind of understand to take place between 12 to 13, 13 to 14, 14 to 15. And that leaves you as a non-competitive baseball player. Mm -hmm. Because we stayed the course for damn near 36 months, we got you to this other place. And, you know, and at that point, man, it's going to be when it's going to be. I, I think getting kids to just be competitive and confident high school baseball players, because that's part of it, is the same thing that you were talking about is his, like, Benny knows it, mm -hmm. right? And that knowing what you're capable of informs confidence, which informs approach. You don't show up to your high school baseball player terrified that you're smaller, terrified that you're skill deficient. You have some BDE. I know what I can do. I, we, we, so there's a, a good example of, of that kid in our, in our 14 U cohort yeah. who like, uh, might not always throw strikes, uh, might not always make contact with the baseball, but he is going to try out for his freshman baseball team this year. Yep. Athletically is like an 18 year old. Yep. Yeah. And like, I am, which, and, which we literally have proof of yep. because of our assessment. Yeah, Correct. Can, and like, him. I'm confident that he is confident yes. in oh, his yeah. ability to yeah. show up to this and be the best athlete there. Yep. Yeah. And, and that is enough. Like for me, people make mistakes. Kids make mistakes. Yeah. And like I and we want to allow them to make those mistakes. If you focus on, so if you have a pitcher and you're focusing on like working on his command and he doesn't have velocity, what happens if he makes a mistake with command in the game? Good luck. What happens if he makes a mistake, but he's got velo? Uh, you can watch any Major League Baseball game, watch them throw it right down the middle and watch them swing and miss. Yeah. If you have velo, you can make mistakes with your location. Swing decisions, same shit. You're not, the, you are going to make bad swing decisions. It's just a thing. You can try to be as perfect as you want. Right. It, it's never going to be perfect. If you have bat speed, it allows you to make a lot more mistakes. Yeah. And like that, they're going to make mistakes. And like our goal is to allow them to make those mistakes and have the confidence that like, you still might have a positive outcome from one of those mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. You can throw it right down the middle and, and you're going to blow this guy's doors off or you can like miss hit a ball and hit a bomb because yeah. you have bat speed. You can't do that the other way around. Yeah. You can't miss, like focus on command and then miss with command. Because I, I hate to say, your kid's not Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox also threw harder than anybody when, yeah. when he was in the, the upper. You know, well, we don't need to get into that. But like your kid's not Greg Maddox. He's going to make mistakes with command. He's going to make mistakes with swing decisions. You can just like yell at him if you want and uh, see how long he plays baseball after getting yelled at for like throwing a ball. Um, or you can teach him how to throw harder, train the velocity, and let him just miss his spot and blow guys' doors off because like that is what happens. This is the Chris Langan thread the other day about command. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the glove is just like, it's just like, just let it eat in the middle and let your pitches run the way that they're going to. And like, look, man. If that is one of the smartest and best guys in the universe yeah. about training professional pitchers at the highest level of consequence, if I run a pitching class, we, we talked about this morning, right? We're, we're doing yeah. some more training of, of kids that aren't necessarily in the academy. We're, we've got some pathways opening up there for camps. Two-week camps in Washington, Arizona. Drivelineacademy.com slash or drivelinebaseball.com slash drivelineacademy as a paid shill. I almost yeah. gave you the wrong URL. I'm yeah. sorry. 425-523-4030. Call our support. Support at drivelinebaseball.com. Wow. I was about to give out my own cell phone number, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, if, if, if the guy who is like 
top of the food chain, working the best athletes of the world at the highest level of consequence and competition is telling you to let your stuff play in the middle and let it run in the direction that you would expect it to run. How should I, if I run a pitching camp, what am I going to say to a 13-year-old, right? And again, the same thing relative to bat speed, smash factor, and swing decisions. The whole point of bat speed and the reason it is like the bottom of the paradigm is that everything is built off of it, right? The sooner that I can, good hitting, good hitting is being on time and on plane. And like, and yes, you, you have to kind of start with that. But if you don't have bat speed at the time that you're on time and on plane, you're just fucked. You're just fucked. You can't have 20 grade bat speed and 80 grade swing decisions and collision efficiency and expect to be a productive hitter at any level other than the youth one. And the reason that that stuff can be effective at the youth level is not because of the hitter, but it's because of who's on the other side of the equation, yep. which is low performing youth defenses. So, like, again, I understand the plight of, like, the, the parent amateur coach who's just like, man, this stuff works right now. Like, why would I change? The reason why you change is that the game changes. And you need your athlete to change in consideration. And if you under-index for that stuff, again, you are just waiting for someone else to make a decision about whether you are viable in this game. You're putting in somebody else's hands, whether that's a coach or another player that's going to take your roster spot when the competition level increases. The athlete population stratifies, the environment changes, and your shit doesn't play. So, uh, you know, that's the same thing we've been screaming about for years now. It's just like for, for amateur coaches, uh, parent coaches, guys that coach kids at a very low level of consequence, there is such an opportunity afforded you to embrace these ideas because you are providing leverage for something that has benefit now. Like, full stop, it has benefit now. But it, you are an agent of change for that kid's career later. Hopefully, uh, some people get it or don't. Also, don't. I'm more than happy. I've said this here before. I'm more than happy to just like let us enjoy the marketplace advantage for as long as possible. You know what? I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I take back everything I've said over 10 to 12 or 15 hours of this podcast. I'm wrong. You're right. You're right. Just be handsy, right? Be handsy, make a bunch of like bad contact, bad swing decisions, or good swing decisions, create a bunch of bad contact, let the defense save you. I'm sure it's going to work out in the long time. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, that's why Nick Madrigal has a better career than Javi Baez. A hundred thousand percent. One of those guys is getting paid $140 million, right? Sore subject. Might not be worth that. I, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. But like, you know. I know. That, I know. That's... That, his swing decisions have never been good. Never. Yeah. Not once. Right. But like the bat speed that he had allowed him to get away with making the dumbest swing decisions that you could think of. Right. Be I wouldn't be surprised still... if you looked at the numbers and his bat speed has gone down. Yeah. No. As you, get, yeah. as you age, that's the thing that happens unless you come to drive on and train it. That's yeah. the thing that happens. And then your bat swing decisions uh, look way worse and yeah. people are creating gifts of you swinging and missing at Sister Jean. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Shout, out to, shout like, out to Rob Friedman. Like, yeah, that was a great that one. Was so that was a great one. But, like, this is what happens when, like, you you only focus on one of those things. We don't do that. We focus on all of them. They're yeah. all important, but, like, one does absolutely unequivocally matter more than the rest of them because it gives you, like, a much wider lane of being good. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> you can argue with physics as long as you want. Not going to win that debate. So uh, you have to go to a meeting. We have to go to meetings. We can wrap this thing up. Uh, 
If you're interested uh, and you want to kind of see a little bit more information about how we execute this stuff, you can look now at our Driveline Youth socials, uh, Driveline Youth on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I have to start populating stuff in TikTok, so I I guess that's going to be a thing that we'll have as well. Um, We have a mountain of free resources for how to execute this stuff. We also have tools you can purchase. But the point being is just like, look, man, again, I'm going to come back to the same thing we started with. Uh, we have undisputable skin in this game, right? For me, uh, I love my children and I love these kids that are in our academy. And, and like, all we are trying to do is, is do the exact best job that we can to be stewards of their dreams and their destinations for where we want this game to take them. I'm not the only one that has that disposition in our, in our business, in our, in our, in our department and within this company as a whole. Uh, so like, look, man, you can call me a paid shill for, for, you know, until the cows come home. That's fine. But like, uh, I assure you, I have more skin in this game than some random asshole that just talks shit behind a Twitter picture or Twitter profile that doesn't have a picture. Do you think he's getting paid? No. Mm. <laughs> well, there's it. There it is right no. there. And like, and look, and if, our, and if our ideas suck, we don't have jobs. Yeah. So there's that. And I'd like to continue to pay my mortgage. We'd be like him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I just just yelling at people on Twitter about yeah. things that don't matter. Which is a strategy. I did that in two thousand nine. It's fair. <laughs> but like weirdly, some of this stuff worked and, and you know, anyways. Uh I hope everyone has had a great summer. I hope everyone is going to go into their off season training or multi sport play with some of these ideas about long term athletic development because they are just like very easy to execute, uh regardless of where you are in terms of equipment. Yep. Uh, training environment, etc. It's just like super easy and beneficial. Uh, or don't. <laughs> Again, uh, I- I'm wrong. I'm an idiot, and yeah. none of this stuff works. Um, and you could. I was gonna just like name drop another guy on yeah. YouTube, but I won't. I'm a man of peace. I'll choose violence <laughs> in another date. But like, follow our Academy socials. Yeah. Like you. Sure. Like yeah. a video is. It's either today or tomorrow. That. Oh yeah. It's gonna probably go gonna go up. You haven't seen it yet. It is phenomenal. Let's go. Um, And we like the content machine is is going. We are full steam ahead. Not only can you watch what we do with these kids, you can watch how much fun they have. Yep. And like you, you go ahead, make any argument you want that like we shouldn't be doing this when you're watching how much fun they're having doing it. Uh, And also getting a lot better at playing baseball. Literally, the the most important thing is them having fun. Yeah. And they have no idea they're getting better until they see it when they're having fun. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. This is the same thing we talked about with the system, right? There's this high degree of intentionality and literally every single fucking choice and decision we make about training and it's presented in a palatable form to the athlete where it's just like, it's, it's fun and competition. Fun and competition is good. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again to talk about more stuff that we're wrong about. Thank you guys. We'll find more Twitter threads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Twitter guy. Big Twitter guy. Thank you.